Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. We're beginning a series in the Song of Solomon called An Invitation to Intimacy. These teachings are carefully thought out by Pastor Michael and his son, Pastor Shane, and the subject matter is probably best suited for married or engaged couples. These teachings may not be suitable for young children. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Song of Solomon 5.2-6.3 through 6, 3, called Wisdom in Time of Conflict. We are on the fourth idyll, the fourth poem, if you will, within the Song of Songs. So you want the Song of Solomon chapter 5. We're going to move from 5.2 to 6.3. Song of Solomon chapter 5. Wisdom in times of conflict. You guys, if you've been here with us, you know that I mentioned to you that the Song of Solomon is set in wisdom literature or the genre of wisdom literature. And today we're going to look at wisdom in times of conflict. And I know that most of you can't use this. I'm sure you don't have any conflict in your life. For those of you who do, pray with me. (laughs) Father, thank you so much. We want to know you. And the Song of Solomon is really about intimacy, and it's not just about marriage. It's really, there's a spiritual wisdom here for Christ and his church. There's relational wisdom here. There's so much that we can glean, Lord, and there's layers of insight that we want to understand. There's a beautiful picture here of Christ and his bride. And I pray on a practical level as we deal with marriage and Uh, Those relationships that you'll give us insight so we can fight fair. We can learn to anticipate conflict, move through it, grow through it, kiss and make up and be the better for it. So Lord, I'm just asking that you would set aside this time for what you want to say. Give us open hearts, open ears, and a heart to obey you for your glory. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Now, if you've been with us in the Song of Solomon up to this point, you may have come to the conclusion that this was a perfect marriage in the Song of Solomon. These are two young people. They are romantically attracted to one another. They've waited until their wedding to be intimate, and they love each other, and they're excited about one another. But one writer put it well that so far the book seems to be more about idealism than it's been about realism. And the fact of the matter is that out of the eight chapters of the Song of Songs or the Song of Solomon, two of them are devoted to conflict. That's about a quarter of the content. And that is the reality of life. When we get married, the honeymoon does end. (laughs) Real life does come. And with that comes conflict. Now, conflict has to be anticipated in marriage. If anybody told you that they don't fight with their spouse, they have broken a commandment. They're a liar, a liar, and a liar. But conflict can be limited. It can be a small percentage of your marriage, and it can be a garden of growth, just like the Bible teaches that when we go through various trials, like James 1, 2 through 4, we should count it all joy when we face various trials, because we can know that the testing of our faith produces endurance, and then the result is what? 
maturity. So as time goes by and as we have conflict in the context of marriage, and many of you are married, some of you are not, there's application for friendship, but there's also going to be the spiritual plane, which I'll talk about in a moment. But with this idea of marriage, with many of you being married, how can we move through conflict and have it be a stepping stone rather than a stumbling block? One thing I would say to you, especially if you're young, courting or newly married, is that you're going to have conflict and you have to anticipate it. But the question is, how can you deal with it? There's going to be some good insights uh, in terms of that specific issue with us today. So this is a marriage scene. The scene is the woman's bedroom, the wife's bedroom. We pick it up in chapter 5, verse 2. She's speaking. She says, I was asleep, but my heart was awake. Some scholars believe her heart is Solomon. Some believe that she's kind of like sleeping, but the romantic part of her is awake to him. There's different views of this. Some people, some scholars believe this is a dream sequence let me just uh, talk to you for a moment on an interpretive level. When you interpret the Bible, this is called the, the uh, science of hermeneutics. The, you could call it the art and science of hermeneutics, which is a technical word for interpreting the Bible, is that there are some people who believe, some scholars that believe that this couple, namely Solomon and his Shulamite bride, are simply a poetic couple. They've been created by the author, and it is all poetry. They're not a real couple in a real historical context. If you pick up some modern commentaries, you're going to see that point of view. And I'm going to tell you that even though that may not be where I land, it certainly has merit. I believe we do have a historical couple, the real Solomon, a real Shulamite bride set in a historical context. But let me just talk to you about a third level. A way that we get underneath the text or above the text is articulated by none other than C.H. Spurgeon. He said of the Song of Songs, it is a book of deep mystery, not to be understood except by the initiated. This book stands like the tree of life in the midst of the garden, and no one will ever be able to pluck its fruit and eat of it until he has been brought by Christ past the sword of the cherubim and led to rejoice in the love that has delivered him from death. What Spurgeon is saying is that on a spiritual level, there is Christ and his bride. And what we're going to do is we're going to move in between both levels today. We're going to talk on a practical level. We're going to look at real marriage, how to deal with conflict, how to resolve it. But on a spiritual level, we're going to see Christ in his church, and we're going to talk about some of the spiritual application. We go back to the scene. She's in her bedroom. She's asleep. Her heart's awake. And a voice comes. And she says, it's my beloved. And he was knocking. Here's what he says. Open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, my perfect one. One rendering could be, arise, my love. Open your heart. For my head is drenched with dew and my locks with the damp of the night. So he comes knocking on the door. And he's got some nice language for her. He calls her my sister, my darling, my dove, my perfect one. Now, from everything that we can see, he doesn't want to talk politics or current events with her. He wants to be intimate with her. He wants to be close to her. He wants them to be 
you know, passionate in their marriage setting, which we know much of this book is about. And so he comes knocking. Apparently he's been working late. His head is wet with the dew. We can ma- imagine maybe uh, he's been working and sweating or perhaps he's, it's uh, misty or raining or whatever the case may be, but he comes to her door. Now at this time in the ancient world, men and women, husband and wife had separate bedrooms. And some of you are thinking, exactly, I knew it was biblical to kick him out of the bedroom five years ago. No, 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 wait a minute. This is how the ancient world was. I'm not saying this is what you should do. But she would have her separate sleeping chamber. And so Solomon would come. She would have a bolt on the door. And she obviously had the door locked. And he comes knocking. And apparently he's a little bit late. He's been working late. Drenched with the dew could have the idea that he's had a long day. They had a rendezvous planned and maybe he was a couple hours late. We all know how that can be. Now, if this is literally King Solomon, you could imagine what a day in the life of King Solomon looked like. His, he was in high demand. His wisdom was known worldwide. The Queen of Sheba, 1 Kings chapter 10, came to hear his wisdom. People asked him to solve difficult situations and riddles and the like, and he was putting his wisdom everywhere. He was in high demand. So it's not surprising that he would have a long day at the office. And there's two sides of an equation just taking the, the picture for what it is, a man working in high demand and a woman waiting at home for him. Perhaps her anticipation was, we've picked a time, I've lit the candle, I've put on the right clothing, and she was ready and he was late. And from her side, she might have felt disappointed. Maybe she felt like she wasn't prioritized. And that can close the spirit, right? So maybe she was anticipating a night of romance. She was ready for a night of romance. But he showed up at an hour that was later than expected. And sometimes when that happens, our spouse may just say, you know, you had a window. (laughs) The window has closed. The door has shut. And it's not going to happen. And he comes with these charming, wonderful words. You're my dove. You're my darling. It's been a long day. When we are intimate with our spouse, and it doesn't have to be sexual intimacy, it can just be hugging and talking, there is a sweet release to be with the one you love in a fallen world. And so when we have that time when we can just, you know, get away from the world and our home can be a place of shalom and we can be with the one we love, there's a great power to that. And I know that some of you don't have that. You are lonely, you're alone, and, and that can be a hard place to be. And my prayer for you is that you'll lean into the Lord if that's the case, or into friendships or fellowship. But here, he's had a long day, and on the spiritual level, this could be a picture of the Garden of Gethsemane, the dark night of the soul moment for Jesus. He was praying and he had initiated the new covenant and he had essentially said to his church, his bride, will you marry me? And they all drank from the cup of redemption representing the new covenant and forgiveness and all of that. And they were his and he was theirs. And they went off into the garden of Gethsemane and the disciples fell asleep. And Jesus famously said, directing his words to Peter, couldn't you stay awake with me for one hour? On a spiritual level, that may be the backdrop here. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. If you listen to Walk in Truth on a regular basis, we could use your help by becoming a monthly financial partner. Our mission on Walk in Truth is to help people like you become better equipped with God's Word to address today's issues, trends, and culture. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast, and with other monthly expenses. What we really need is more monthly partners so the program will be sustained in the months and maybe even years to come. Our ultimate goal is to eventually become 100% listener-supported and then have the ability to broadcast on more radio stations to reach more people like you. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner, giving $10 to $20 a month. You can give online today at walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH or visit walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now back to the Walk in Truth series called An Invitation to Intimacy. The subject matter is best suited for married or engaged couples and may not be suitable for younger children. Here's Pastor Michael. And Jesus famously said, directing his words to Peter, couldn't you stay awake with me for one hour? On a spiritual level, that may be the backdrop here. It's been a dark night for Jesus. He comes to his own and he finds her sleeping. And so he speaks words, darling, dove, um, open up to me, open to me. He's knocking at the door. In the book of Revelation, if you hold your place in the Song of Solomon, we'll turn to chapter three, the last book of the New Testament. We have the image picked up by the writer John. And uh, he addresses several churches in chapter three, but I want to point out a couple of them and we'll make the parallel, uh, we'll, we'll take the parallel example here. In Revelation 3, 1, to the angel of the church in Sardis write, he who has the seven spirits of God, the seven stars, Revelation 3, 1 says this, I know your deeds, that you have a name, that you're alive, but you are dead. Then he says, wake up, and strengthen the things that remain, Revelation 3, 2, which were about to die. I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. So remember what you've received and heard and keep it and repent. Therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come to you. In Revelation 3, skipping down to the last part of the chapter, he addresses lukewarm Laodicea. With these words, Revelation 3.19, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, therefore be zealous and repent. Let me just say that repentance is for the church. It's to turn around from our slumber, from maybe being distant from our God. Behold, here's the image, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, notice the intimate language, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. He who overcomes the difficulty of life, the times of conflict, if you will, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. And then these famous words, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Back to the Song of Solomon. 
in the spiritual application, Jesus is knocking at the door of the church's heart. Revelation 2 and 3 is not addressed to an unbelieving world. It's addressed to the church. The church of Sardis, a dead church that needs to awaken. The church of Laodicea, a lukewarm church that needs to get back where it belongs. Here we are in the state of California. A proposition passed that allows for abortion up until the moment of birth. And there's even a crazy law beyond that, that a child could die and no one's going to be charged or there's no investigation. How have we gotten here? We're still 64% of Americans claim that they are Christians. Where is the disconnect? Where was the church? I was out at a rally for Love Life yesterday. And well over 200 people got on their knees in the grass that was wet across from Planned Parenthood in Riverside and repented on behalf of this nation. And it was a beautiful thing to see. But people who are involved in pro-life ministry said that they were going to churches and that pastors didn't even know what Prop 1 was. Do we wonder why we have the disconnect from the moral values of the church and the Bible to the moral values of a state or a nation? How is it that we've come to this point where we are in such a slumber that we can somehow compartmentalize an egregious wrong in our culture and our time in the church? There's something wrong. And there was something wrong way back when Jesus assessed the seven churches in Asia Minor. And he says to Sardis and Laodicea, you better wake up. And if you don't wake up, I'm going to remove your lampstand. What does that mean? I think he's, he's saying he's going to remove the church. He's going to remove the influence of the church. And we've had mainline denominations that are literally today bankrupt. They have no longer any impact on our culture. Do you know why? Because they've compromised on doctrine They've compromised with the cultural winds and they are irrelevant and everybody knows it because they can't speak with any moral authority to the culture any longer because they are just too compromised. That's where we are. Now the question becomes, what do we do at a moment like that? We repent. We get where we need to be. Here's Solomon knocking at the door. He's late. He says, open up, buttercup. How do you think she'll respond? Verse three, she says, I've taken off my dress. I've put off my garment. Verse three, how can I put it on again? I've washed my feet. How can I dirty them again? Verse three, NIV, I've taken off my robe. Must I put it on again? I've washed my feet. Must I soil them again? Not a very enthusiastic response. The modern equivalent is, honey, I have a headache. I've put on my face cream. I have my retainer in. I'm connected to the breathing machine, (laughs) which some of us unfortunately have to wear. Those of you who are young, this will come to you later. There are people at night that have to put on these machines. They appear to look like Darth Vader. So when you go into the bedroom, you know, anyway, you can fill in the blanks. It's conflict time. (laughs) He says, honey, lovely one, sweetheart, I'm home. Here I am. And she's like, I got my robe on. I got that green mask on. It's over. <laughs> you, you had a window of time, buddy. I hear you knocking, but you can't come in. <laughs> and so there he is, right? 
And he anticipated the moment. Perhaps she did as well. But now she, she doesn't want to get out of bed. And he's knocking. I just want to say on a practical level to you ladies that men's egos in this area are easily bruised. Now, he may not tell you this, but I'll tell you that if a man gets rejected by his wife in terms of intimacy, it will bruise his ego and he will probably go silent. That's what men tend to do. And so basically she's closed the door to him. Now, there needs to be understanding in marriage on both sides, right? We've talked about how love puts the needs of someone uh, above ourselves. And marriage doesn't mean I always get what I want, when I want it, how I want it, etc. There needs to be a beautiful symmetry in marriage and patience with one another. But he's come with the expectation and she's basically closed the door. She says, no, uh, I'm, I'm tucked in for the night. And so what will Solomon do? What would you do? What do you do? In moments like that, do you sulk? Do you pout? My beloved extended his hand through the opening. Here's what Solomon did. And my feelings were aroused for him. My heart was thrilled within me, ESV. My heart began to pound, NIV. Solomon extended the hand. You've been listening to Wisdom in Time of Conflict, Part 1 on Walk in Truth. That was Pastor Michael's teaching in Song of Solomon, chapter 5, verse 2, to chapter 6, verse 3. Of course, if you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is available on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more podcast apps. You can subscribe for free to hear Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. We'd also love to hear from you. You can email Pastor Michael with your questions you may have on his teaching today, or maybe you have a question about something else, or need encouragement, or prayer. Maybe you'd like to share how Pastor Michael's teachings have affected you. You can email Pastor Michael at contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. And thanks for reaching out. You can also find our mailing address on walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael with a final word. You know, as we talk about intimacy, sometimes we might have questions about balance and um, symmetry in a relationship. In other words, if, if we're going to live to love our spouse well, and it's not all about us getting everything we want when we want it, how do we find a balance there? These are things that often don't get talk, talked about in terms of sexual intimacy. People will sometimes say once the door is open and the topic's being discussed, well, how often should we be intimate? And what about if my spouse is on a different page and how do we find balance and what about the old saying, you know, maybe half jokingly, they always have a headache or, you know, we don't seem to be uh, wired the same. Well, male and female are not wired the same. And here's where we need understanding and love. But if each of us is trying to love our spouse well, we'll be sensitive to the needs of others. You know, love is about being other-centered, and it's hard for us because we're naturally self-centered, especially when we're walking in the flesh. So you may pray, Lord, help me to be other-centered. Help me to be sensitive to what my spouse needs, whether that's something physical, like touch or intimacy, or maybe that's me just listening and being a shoulder to cry on without it always leading to intimacy. 
This is where we need great wisdom. And you know, God does give wisdom. And as you learn your spouse more and you learn a little bit more about the rhythms of your relationship, I think you'll be able to figure it out with the wisdom of God and living other-centered. This is Pastor Michael Lance. We've been doing a teaching in the Song of Solomon, and I'm glad you've joined us. And this is going to be quickly over. Only eight chapters in the Song of Solomon. We're dealing with wisdom in times of conflict. Uh, if you know a couple who could benefit from this teaching, and I don't know one who couldn't, uh, let them know about what you've been listening to. This is also available via podcast when you search for Walk in Truth on all the normal places that you'd get podcasting. So check it out. Tell a friend. Recommend the program. And please support us as you can. We are listener supported and we're trying to get expanded onto more radio stations. And we don't talk about this a ton, but we have opportunities. We have some open doors to expand into further radio markets. We could use your help. Would you become a Walk in Truth partner today? Go to walkintruth.com to find out more. Click on the donate tab, walkintruth.com. This is Pastor Michael Lance. We'll see you right here tomorrow for Wisdom in Time of Conflict. Remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. If you're a longtime listener, please consider becoming a monthly Walk in Truth partner. Your contribution helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast, and with the behind-the-scenes work for this ministry. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner for $5 a month and visit walkintruth.com to give. That's walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Song of Solomon, chapter 5, verse 2 to chapter 6, verse 3, called Wisdom in Time of Conflict. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.